0: everybody, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Mark Guy Show. So I was planning on doing another episode. I was maybe going to talk about Trump's budget or about the infrastructure plan, but with what happened this week, of course, nobody could see coming that there was going to be a, a massive school shooting this week. but the major topic of debate now in the US once again is gun control and should we institute more gun control laws from the federal level? And this happens every time there's a mass shooting and these these mass shootings don't get any less sad over time and i it it's terrible looking at the stories of of all the people who who have died the people who have lost their children and i don't want any of that to get lost in this discussion i don't think anybody wants that to get lost in this discussion whether you're on the pro gun control side or whether you're on the anti gun control side i think both sides feel very sad both sides have remorse and that's probably one of my least favorite things about the about the gun control crowd is they they think that those who are in favor of of guns or who do not want increased gun control laws feel less empathy for for these children who were murdered anytime there's a there's a a mass shooting of of any type they think that the anti-gun control crowd feels less remorse for these victims than they do uh so that's one of my biggest problems with this debate. But I saw so many different hot takes, and there are a few specific arguments that I want to be able to flesh out my response to. And I, I did a lot of this on Twitter. Had some back and forth with people on Twitter. But first of all, one of the arguments I, I saw several people make, and and these were a couple of friends of mine. I you know I, just, I I've had discussions with people on this in the past. But the argument goes like this: if something like this happens obviously there's there's gun violence in America there's more gun violence in America than in the rest of the developed world so what could it hurt to put to put more gun laws in place to increase gun control that's the way that their argument goes well y- you can make that argument in any direction on on the topic so if if my position is i think that the the best course of action is you do not restrict possession of firearms whatsoever. You could make the same case. You could say, obviously, the gun control that we've put into place now does not work. So why would you think that more of the same would would lead to better results? So you can make that exact argument in the opposite direction. That was the main point I was trying to make. That, okay, yeah, if you say our current... Even if you concede the point, if you're on if you're on my side, if you concede the point that things couldn't get any worse in terms of shootings, which that's a that's a big point to concede, you could say, well, then yeah, our our current laws aren't working, so why don't we get rid of a lot or uh, get rid of a lot or of all of those laws rather than moving further in the direction of gun control? Uh, so I think that's just a terrible argument from them that we must change our gun laws and to change them we must move in this direction of increased gun control next probably my biggest complaint about the pro gun control argument is you'll see all these people come out and you know it's a lot of fairly reasonable people but th- this is this is what they say we need common sense gun control or common sense gun laws common sense what does that mean Common sense could literally mean anything. It could mean my my level of common sense, my version of common sense may be that there are no restrictions on gun ownership. Whereas somebody else's definition of common sense gun laws may be that nobody can can own guns. Common sense is completely undefinable. There's there's no principle behind it. It can be moved. To, to support whatever you want and, and at what point does something become common sense if you're then using it as a percentage of the population supports it, is it once fifty one percent of the population supports it, it becomes common sense? Is it seventy five percent? Are are we okay then with with continually trampling on in the first scenario, if it's if the threshold's fifty one percent on the other forty nine percent of people? Do you think that's sustainable to to institute legislation that goes completely against what forty-nine percent of people believe, or against what twenty-five percent of people believe, or if your if your threshold for common sense is something that ninety percent of people support, are you okay with trampling on that remaining ten percent? Uh, I don't know, and, and and nobody ever answers that. You know, they'll answer that. Oh well, these are the things we think are common sense. They'll they'll give you a list. Well. Why is that common sense? What, yeah, what method are you using to come up with that list? Um, give us something precise and definable at the very least, but there's there's no position there. It's not rooted in any principle. If you ask me what my position on on guns is on 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 gun control is, I will give you a precise definition. I don't think that I have or that anybody has the right to, to delegate to their government to give to their government that they do not have themselves. So I cannot go even if I you know even if I don't like my neighbor, if I don't trust my neighbor, I cannot go over and take away his guns from him. I cannot limit him from buying guns or from buying other possessions. I cannot do that. I can't go onto his property and do that no matter what I think about him. Unless he's directly threatening my person, um, unless he's unless he's infringing upon me In some way, if he's aggressing a, upon me In some way, but if he's Peaceful and has his Guns in his apartment, it doesn't matter what I Think of him personally or You know, or what Emotions he, he or she makes Me feel I cannot vote somebody into Power to To go and take those guns For me, I can't delegate a power That I don't have, I can't I and the rest of voters cannot do that. That's, that's my position. Mere possession of, of something cannot infringe upon somebody else's rights. Now, you may disagree, and a lot of people would disagree with that, but my position is clear. It's founded in principle. It's not going to change with the times, and it, it doesn't give you this, this leeway to do whatever you want, like saying something that we are going to have common-sense gun laws Gives you that gives the government really th- the ability to 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 do anything to to disarm us as a whole. Uh, so that's a non-argument too when when people say that, and that's always how I how I push back against the common sense gun laws argument. Um, it's it, it's a function of you know the arguments against democracy and saying that. If 51% of the population supports something and 49% doesn't, um, does not make it right. And I, I use the argument of... Because somebody then said, well, what what our representatives decide. That's, that, that's why we have representatives. They will um, come up with with what is best for the country as a whole. And the people who don't win have to suck it up and take it. But if that's the case, then was was slavery common sense? for the 100 years, almost 100 years of American history that it was legal? Was that common sense because a majority of the population supported it and because our representatives allowed it to be legal? I mean, it it's such a slippery slope trying to make those types of arguments I—that I that I think that's why they never want to say, that's why they never want to pin themselves down on, this is what our position is. At least the people who say, Let's ban all guns. At least they're putting some sort of specific policy out there, or they're they're saying this is what I think. I think that nobody should own guns. That's at least clear, you know. I think it's crazy and ridiculous, but at least they're they're putting something out there. They're not in this wishy washy. We need common sense gun laws, or similarly wishy-washy the first argument that well what we're doing isn't working so what you know what's what's the worst that could happen from increasing gun control and I didn't go into this talking about that first argument but just look at what happened in the 20th century with governments all around the world killing their own people and killing their own disarmed people that that's what can happen history that's not going back in time that's recorded history you can watch video of a lot of it you know there's there's a a ton of direct evidence of this happening all over the world so people saying that there's no need to to fear your government um you're just being paranoid i tens tens and tens of millions of people uh can say otherwise and i'm not saying that that you need to have the same fear as somebody else about, about your government oppressing you, about your government potentially becoming an enemy of yours at some point in the future that you may need to fend off with weapons. I'm not saying everybody has to have that type of fear, but just because you don't have any fear of that, it doesn't mean you, that you then can tell somebody else this is how much fear you should have, and you shouldn't have the right to, to possess something because you fear you feel fearful of your government uh and that's that's another one of my least favorite you know i don't even know if you if you consider it an argument or not but i i want to read one one particular tweet that i saw that i think is is related to this um this is from john rogers i'm not sure who john rogers is he's verified on twitter but there's a lot of a lot of riffraff verified on twitter to be clear, whenever a gun fan says, "Hey, if you want to be a sitting duck, go ahead," but I need to defend myself, they're saying I'm willing to let thousands die and children get shot, so I'm not afraid because I'm so afraid. Go ahead and say it loud and proud, coward. And I I read this multiple times, and there's a lot to a lot to unpack there, uh, because first saying you know basically ridiculing somebody for having that fear for for fearing their government and wanting to have have weapons to be able to defend themselves if things really were to get to that point. Like has happened a lot, especially within the last few hundred years as as governments have gotten increasingly powerful um, and as warfare has become all-encompassing, you know, rather than just being between, like it was in the Middle Ages, more, you know, a regime against a regime, and the the common folks largely weren't a part of it unless they were directly hired by the crown. Uh, But anyways, that's that's beside the point. It's also this false, like there's this decision between thousands of children dying and people owning weapons to defend themselves. Once again... there's not a choice there It's a completely false dichotomy And it leads you down the wrong road But I, but I see people saying this all the time That like that's the choice It's either we possess guns And uh, the people who like guns Are able to feel better about defending themselves uh, And thousands of children die Or you know whatever, whatever amount you want to use We're going to have a certain number of school shootings a year Or we institute all this gun control And now all these school shootings are going to go away there's no evidence that's going to happen. And yeah, people will point at that rates of gun violence are less in a lot of countries with stricter gun control than the United States, but that's an apples to oranges comparison. The United States has a unique culture. The United States is different than other countries, and you can't assume that, that what happens in another country is a function of their gun control laws. You know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense there's a culture there there are a lot of other variables that that go into that and the united states has a different culture from from those other countries so it's a false choice that, that they're presenting here and y- you see this a lot i also saw this is a related this is a similar argument but it's basically that that my right to uh, to safe schools trump's your right to own a gun there's no right to safe schools There's no right to feel safe It's an impossible Once again it's an impossible thing to define You know what is a safe school What is feeling safe And, and literally anything Can make another person feel unsafe You know me talking into this microphone Right now Can make other people feel unsafe Me walking out my door If it, it, if I'm bigger than my neighbor Or something That could make them feel unsafe so, where do you draw the line as to now when something makes another person feel unsafe, you now don't have the right to do it there's it It's impossible, absolutely impossible. whereas the right to possess a gun that's completely definable as long, when I'm possessing something and I'm not out you know threatening other people, just me merely having possession of a gun in my apartment does absolutely nothing to transgress on the rights of, of anybody else. Mere possession of anything cannot aggress upon the rights of other people. Now, once I use that in a way that that does that, then yes, I, I need to be held fully accountable, of course. But to preemptively say that you cannot have possession of a, of a given item because some small, some some minuscule percentage of people who possess this given item Could use it to commit a violent act is an extremely slippery slope. I was trying to think of the best the the best comparison for this but do we want to restrict alcohol purchases to people who have had DWIs or to people who have uh, gotten in bar fights? Should we then you know completely cut them off from ever being able to buy alcohol again for the rest of their lives? And if you say yes well what do you think is going to happen to that person? You think that person is going to stop using anything uh, mind-altering? You think they're not going to try to find alcohol some other way or, or turn to other drugs? Uh, that was probably the best I could I could come up with. But you could say that about about just about anything. Uh, mere possession of something cannot aggress upon the rights of another person, and it's it's once again your feels or. What your feelings are does not matter in a discussion of rights. Another tweet I have pulled up here, and this actually used the, the move to Somalia, um, which which I thought was funny, bringing that now into the the gun debate. I mean, that's a typical thing that, that anybody will throw in an argument with, with libertarians. But this guy said, I care far more about my family and loved ones not being shot than I do your right to own a gun. And if that pisses you off, then please move to Somalia where gun laws don't exist and everything is chaos. So I won't even go into the, the Somalia nonsense. But I care far more about my family and loved ones not being shot than I do your right to own a gun. Once again, you're presenting a false choice. And I, and I get why people fall into this. We we want things to be simple. We, we want to be able to say, do this and... There will be necessarily a better outcome. And, and and when you present a choice like this, I mean, obviously, yes, I think murder's the absolute worst way that that you can aggress upon another person. So I I get that. If if this choice actually existed, you know, so if you could say nobody that you actually could get everybody to to give up guns and there would never be violent crime again you know if if human nature actually could work that way if humanity actually could work that way then we could have a discussion but it's impossible that, that humans are always going to have violent crime and it looks like for the foreseeable future we're going to continue to to cede a lot of our a lot of our rights and a lot of our liberties to government so there's going to be this this kind of super powered element within society that you also need to worry about and you know keep in the back of your mind uh, so I think that the people who are really pushing for this I think they don't they don't fundamentally understand human nature they they like to think that there's there's a panacea to every issue there's a lot of overlap between the people who push gun control as being you know that now all of a sudden everything will be okay there will there, there won't be High levels of gun violence anymore in the United States if we just institute gun control. That's what they think. Just like they think healthcare outcomes will skyrocket if we just do universal healthcare. If we just have have universal healthcare, go to single payer or, or something in that realm. And once again, I've I, I've talked about this that they think that they want to think that there is a solution. That's the first part of it, and they think that the incentives of a given policy. Are what actually happens. So they think that well, universal health care means that we guarantee health care to all citizens. So now, rather than you know, rather than some percentage of the population not having health insurance, now everybody has health insurance. That's that's how they look at it. Whereas they don't look at how choices change, how quality changes. You know, there there are a lot of trade offs going from. A more market-based system and it's it's hard to even call what the United States has now uh, a market-based system whatsoever but going from what the U.S. has now to going to some universal system there are a lot of trade-offs and I remember talking specifically on I think I talked about it on this on this podcast I, I remember talking about it in multiple conversations at least but there was a proponent of universal healthcare who was, who was making that exact point. Like we we should not be presenting our argument falsely to everybody. We need to be clear that moving from what the U.S. has now to a single payer system, there are going to be a lot of trade-offs that we have to make. Uh, the The transition is going to be difficult. You know, you may have to ration differently based on waiting times you know we there are a whole bunch of different things he had probably 20 different things listed saying these are all things we need to keep in mind and he as a supporter of universal health care was willing to say you know willing to be honest rather than presenting it as a panacea but that's rare and you have the same exact thing being pushed with with gun control laws here Probably, and I don't know how relatable this is going to be to everybody who listens to this show, but probably the most frustrating thing for me over the last 36 hours or whatever it's been, it's just after midnight central time right now, so very early morning on the the 16th, Uh, but the sports media's reaction, and I think the sports media had more of an over-the-top reaction to this than the actual media, and I... I've gotten annoyed with the sports media in the past during primarily these gun control debates, but they're guilty of it on, on other things too. You know, if I had done a show on, on net neutrality, when all that was going on, there was a lot of this same stuff going on. Obamacare, there was a lot of the same stuff going on, but they came out so strongly on the side of gun control. And I'm a big sports fan. I, I I see sports as being an escape. I know a lot of people, with the the kneeling and and all that, tried to say that these guys were were bringing politics into sports, and we shouldn't have politics as as part of sports. And I know that it, it's inevitable. There's going to be some overlap there. You know, you've got all these athletes. They've got opinions. They're they're going to talk about them sometimes, and they're going to believe certain things. So that's inevitable. But I think what happens with the sports media is they get used to people listening to what they have to say on sports matters. They may be a great baseball reporter or a football reporter or talk show host or whatever it is, and now they think that people want to hear their opinions on everything, that they have these these great opinions on everything. And it's not up to me to determine whether or not they should be expressing their political opinions on Twitter or in interviews or whatever. That's not up to me to decide, but... I think they're not thinking of they have employers. They're employed by somebody and you're alienating it, it of course depends on on what market you're in whether you're a national writer or you know in in particular cities you could probably express these opinions and maybe only be alienating 10 to 20% of people but for some of these national writers you're probably alienating close to 50% of your of your audience if not more depending on what the sport is but i saw this specifically i'm i'm from buffalo new york and there's one one sports radio station in buffalo new york one primary sports radio station wgr 550 and they have a, a morning show and an afternoon show every weekday and one of the co-hosts of the morning show for 24 hours straight binge tweeting constant gun control stuff and his his uh Handle has the the name of the radio station in the handle. It, I was pretty shocked by that. You know, he, it's not like he's solely stuck to sports in the past, but to come out and not just have you know, this is my opinion presented in a reasonable way in a, a tweet or two or something like that. It was fifty retweets and tweets, and it was constant. And I saw a few other people comment on it. And I can't, I can't imagine. I'm. I'm one of the few that saw that. I have to believe that they alienated some of their some of their audience. Now it's up to WGR whether they would they would want to do anything about that or it's like I said, it's not up to me to decide what these people in the in the sports media want to say. But then also the co host of the afternoon show came out with a with a similar type of thing, with a similar post. Granted his was I think only a couple posts, but he used the hashtag fuck your guns in it and very these were not nuanced measured takes. these were things like the n r a has blood on its hands, and uh that people who own these guns should be ashamed of themselves you know am I'm, I'm, I'm probably misrepresenting exactly what was said. I remember specifically multiple n r a tweets and, and the blood being on their hands and he also retweeted that coward tweet that i that I read earlier i I also uh, I have his page up here just because I knew I was going to reference it, and he retweeted. Imagine getting on Twitter today to argue with people that nothing needs to change. Imagine using your time today to argue that your hobby is more important than seventeen people who were murdered in a high school. Not saying that is particularly uh, particularly incendiary or anything, but uh, it's the same thing that that guns are just a hobby. That's all that that guns are used for is is being a hobby. That's why I have the the biggest problem with some of these people that say you don't need an ar-15 uh for these reasons you, i don't see a reason why you need it to to hunt and it's it's really not about hunting Hunting's is a, a byproduct people people should have the ability to go out and hunt and to have firearms to go out and hunt but that's a secondary reason why you have the right to bear arms why you have the, the right to possess something as long as you're not infringing upon the rights of others and the rights of others do not include the right to feel safe. Um, also on the on the sports media, I had and I think I may have referenced her on the show in the past too, but uh, her name is is Molly Knight, and she's a baseball writer. Wrote a book about the the Dodgers that I actually I, I liked, and that's why I started following her on Twitter. And she, I mean, is constantly posting gun control stuff when this comes up and you know, is it, very, very far left and is is kind of frankly ridiculous. It, it, it's is quite extreme. She said, There is no earthly reason American civilians should have access to AR fifteens. None. And then she said a little later, about three hours later, so it got a, a lot of replies And to clarify, if you responded to the above tweet to argue that civilians should have access to AR-15s to fight bad guys with guns, you are the bad guy with a gun. So I think ultimately this is where I want to end this discussion, but that this is where the discussion gets to. Now, as these takes get more and more extreme, as the virtue signaling gets more and more extreme, we get to this point now where now the people who possess these guns even though it's a very, very small percentage of people who are committing any sort of violent acts with these guns, the AR-15 is the most, is the most common rifle in the United States. So now when, when people respond that it would, it would scare them for the government to, to confiscate more of their guns and for them to, to not have the ability or to not feel like they have the ability to defend themselves from their government, now they become the bad guys, people who have never used guns for any violent purpose, who would never dream of using guns, for any violent purpose, who rightfully say, and, and, and they may make the argument differently, like I said, that you don't have the right to decide what I do and do not possess. And you cannot go and vote somebody to now all of a sudden have that right. That right cannot come from nothing. Just government being created does not create that right for you to to restrict what I can and cannot possess. Uh, as long as I'm, I'm not aggressing upon the rights of, ...of any other human being. But now, because b- because these takes have gotten that much more extreme... ...now those people are the bad guys to a lot of people. And this is just... She came out and said it straight up. In, sh- she says it like it's a fact... ...that there's no earthly reason American civilians should have access to AR-15s. But that's an opinion, obviously. Uh, that's a hot take. But she presents it as fact... And because she, she thinks it's a fact, she thinks that she can empower government now to impose her opinion on the rest of people. Even if you know, even if 49% of people agree with her and, and 51% of, did not agree with her. This is what she thinks, and she thinks that, that if, if she can get the right number of representatives or whatever into Congress, that now those rights can be infringed upon. And I, I know that I said that that was probably going to be my last point, but I did have one additional point that I wanted to make that I, I didn't write any of this stuff out. I didn't have any sort of outline for this episode. So I almost forgot to to talk about this item, but something that nobody is talking about really at all. I, I, I've i seen it some on, you know, I've seen some ANCAPs talking about it and some libertarians talking about it, but I haven't seen a single discussion in the mainstream whatsoever talking about what role public schools play in all this? So, a lot of these shooters. So there, there are a lot of shootings at schools. A lot of these mass shootings are at schools, and a lot of them are by troubled teenagers who, I'm assuming, hate school. I, I did read the book about about Columbine, and uh, it didn't sound like those guys hated school, you know, to an extreme level. You know, it wasn't like it. Like they were going against every fiber they're being according to that book, but I mean I have to imagine there's a there's a pretty strong correlation between these school shooters and disliking school and and feeling powerless, all those types of things, going someplace that you hate every day and then you want to take out your rage on that place that you hate. Uh, of course, that's that's me on an armchair. I I haven't looked at if there is any evidence to back that up. Uh, but assuming that that's the case, then why aren't we talking about the rationale behind forcing kids into school, forcing them to stay until at least 16? They can't drop out until at least 16. I don't know if, I know New York State was like that. I don't know what uh, what other states' dropout laws are. But we force kids into this very routinized system of of public schooling and there's a lot of evidence that all that this teaches kids to do is to to hate learning, to hate education. It it puts them into a place with the same group of kids for 12 years, 13 years and that can be that can be really great. You know, you you have a lot of lifelong friends that that you went to school with, but that isn't for everybody. Some people hate the people that they that they go to school with. They don't want to be there and we force them to stick it through for at least you know 10 or 11 of those years before they can finally drop out if they'd like. But we force everybody to pay taxes to support these schools. So most parents don't have the alternative to be able to afford to send their kid to a private school, and they're already paying thousands upon thousands of dollars in taxes a year to, to send their kids to this school. Now this would be an added cost to go elsewhere, or to have the resources to be able to homeschool your kid. But if you if you weren't paying that money to support the public school every year, then maybe you would have the means, you know maybe you'd have the means for uh, one of the spouses to be able to stay home part-time to facilitate public schooling or you'd be able to afford to send them to a school where for you know maybe specializes in something that they're very interested in or is a smaller school or you could try multiple different schools and try to find the right people where you know your kid doesn't hate whatever characteristics about that about his given classmates or her given classmates uh all those things could be possible but nobody questions the public school and i i can't take credit for this phrase but Public schooling is the is the true American religion that you that you just cannot question, and I think there's a lot more a, there's a lot more to unpack there on that side than anybody's willing to to give in the mainstream. They're not willing to question our methods of of education. They're not willing to question should we be putting all these people into one big building in this kind of. Uh, you know, manufacturing style, very routinized style of education and very centralized style of education. You know, I don't think that, I don't think that if you didn't have public schools, would you have one school serving as large of a geographic area as they are in many cases? Would you have one school that had several thousand people in it? You might, I that, that very well still could happen. I don't really know what the, what the market would produce, but I think, you, you certainly would have more options. There would be more schools, and you'd still have the same number of kids in a, in a given geographical area, so they'd be spread out among these schools, and there'd be more niche-type schools. So I think it would be far more decentralized. There wouldn't be this one huge target necessarily. And then also, these these private schools, these, these privately-owned schools, would be able to find their ideal mix between freedom and security, you know, just like any private business that you go into they figure out, yeah, we don't want to frisk every person that, that comes, into the, it comes into the store or comes into the business because nobody's going to want to come into my business. But I also want people to feel safe. So maybe if I'm in a, a slightly more dangerous, higher crime area, I may have a security guard that's there all the time. Um, I, I'm going to find what's the right balance between angering people and, and, and alienating them from my business and keeping them safe. And there is a, there is a, middle ground there and it depends completely on the characteristics of the area, who the clientele is, all that stuff. That's why no two businesses are the are the exact same in terms of the security that 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 they employ. And public schools don't really have that that same ability to be able to to freely decide this is the level of security and there's not a a profit or loss incentive that's really motivating them to to find that balance like there is with a business. So you have some schools probably with with far too much security and you have some schools with far too little security. Um, and it all depends on, on what the community is like. But, uh, I think there's a, there's a lot to talk about there and, and the mainstream is, is missing a huge opportunity to talk about what else could be causing this because it's not like this type of gun technology is new in the last 15 years or or 20 years when school shootings have become a, have become a bigger thing. This, this type of gun technology has been around we've had access to, to to these types of weapons and only in the last 20 years has it has it exploded into becoming a, a bigger issue so looking at, at just the guns is far too simplistic I, I think it's wrong um, but it's it's at the very least far too simplistic so I think that's that's all I'll talk about today I, I tried to hit all those arguments I wanted to talk but I'm sure I missed something. That I had meant to talk about And that's what I get for not writing stuff down For uh, for a lot of these shows But thank you again for listening Always a fun topic to talk about Please uh, hit me up on Twitter At Mark Geis If you want to discuss any of this If you have any pushback um, I'm, I, I'm always down even with, with people I disagree with To have a civil conversation And be able to to better present My position and better hear your position But thanks for listening And have a fantastic weekend